0: save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an ac pro recharge kit today be a pro with ac pro
1: this A's cast download is brought to you by link soul check out their spring collection go to linksoul.com and by nest bedding love where you sleep go to nestbedding.com
2: this is A's cast live your comprehensive look at the oakland athletics
3: Pitch is
1: swung
4: on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track, over his head. And
3: over the wall!
4: Do you believe
2: that? And 29 other MLB
3: clubs.
1: Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away, back, go Go hey! gets a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a Judging blast. All rise, here comes the judge.
2: Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors, to spin rates, to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, good
1: afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live on the field Going to be getting you ready for the Diamondbacks and the Oakland Athletics. Another absolutely picture-perfect day here at the Coliseum. And and it's crazy. Not because of baseball. Turn me up a little bit, would you? It's not crazy because of baseball. It's crazy because we've got a concert across the street. If you were listening to postgame last night, Sugar from BTS is here. There's been kids who have been camping out for almost 48 hours to get into this concert. I know who BTS is. I don't know Suga, but I'd like to be his agent because this kid is making some cash. We'll be going over boy bands today here on Ace Cast Live. I can guarantee you that. We, we will be having the manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, Tor- Tori Lovello, former Oakland Athletic. And you're going to need to back me up here As who is the surprise team? Who did I pick while you were gushing over your Dodgers? You were, oh, my God, you and Bob Melvin, I thought you guys were having a sleepover. You love the Padres so much. Who was the guy on this very program said, you know what? My surprise team in all the National League, that counts the East, that counts the Central, you were gushing over the Pirates. Who on this show? Said the Arizona Diamondbacks. That be
4: you. I don't think I was gushing at the Pirates then. I was when they won eleven games over. and Now they've scored twenty-two runs in thirteen games. But the Arizona, looking to be what is it, uh, eight games over five hundred for the first time since twenty nineteen. Tori's doing a nice job.
1: Diamondbacks look to go seven over uh, five hundred for the first time since they finished two thousand nineteen at eighty-five and seventy-seven. Uh, The Snakes, and they're looking for their first five-game winning streak since last August. They've won. I've memorized all this, by the way. That's how I prepare for the show. Let's memorize all these numbers? All the data. I'm like, you, you think I'm looking at you, and I'm actually looking. I'm kind of like Aaron Judge, looking away. We will get into that in just a little bit. Uh, Arizona has won 11 of 17 games, right in 284, with 23 dingers in that span. So the snakes are hot. I've liked them since the second half of last year. I I love their manager, former A. Torrey. And he, I'm going to get into it with him about what we talked about in San Diego in 2019. I bet he doesn't remember.
4: Yeah, I think, the, I think the odds on that are in our favor he won't remember.
1: Uh, and if I was him, I wouldn't remember either what he said to us chomps down in San Diego at the winter meeting. I mean, he's been
4: on numerous times since then. He probably remembers. I mean, I don't know. We could be wrong. He probably remembers every conversation of
1: it, every time we've had him. He has been adamant. He is the one guy in professional baseball. He's been adamant to be on video with us as we turn this into a show that's not only audio but also streaming video. Tory has always made his PR guys set it up so that he was on video. We love this guy, and we will talk about 2019. We had that conversation at the Manchester Hyatt about how he was creating a culture down in his clubhouse that no matter what, we're going to do things the right way, we're going to win the right way, we're going to build the right way every day, do things the right way. We'll see if he remembers that conversation because obviously where they are at 24 and 18 and in second place, Road Trip. There's my guy. You hear him on the postgame show. What's up? Road Trip Mike. Come here, Road Trip. Everybody, he calls into the postgame show. This is what he looks like. This is the guy that travels everywhere with the A's. I want to be him when I grow up. He's... He's he's taking sailboats in Baltimore. He's surfing in Miami. There's it's nothing he doesn't do. They can't hear you, don't worry about it. Good to see you. I'll talk to you in the postgame show. Road trip Mike, everybody. And he'll be up in Seattle as he is, I usually he usually is my first caller. I mean he was on Chesapeake Bay on a sail. He was on a Chesa- he was on Chesapeake Bay sailboat while in Baltimore. Now this is not somebody who just goes to games, and goes to the ballpark. This is a guy that experiences the entire experience, every city. Road Trip Mike, that is the legend. That is a man that NBC California, they always show him, if you're watching the games, they always show him. Because he's, you know, he's in Detroit, and then he's in Cincinnati, and then he's in Miami, and then he's in Baltimore, New York, Toronto. You never, uh, wherever the A's go, he goes, super fan, and he drives most of them.
4: Are you saying so? You're saying he's a bigger fan than Rifled Will, who travels to every. He's always on NBC.
1: See, I, I think there's a conspiracy there. I think right-field Will is all about right-field Will, <laughs> and he's tipping everybody off where he uh, is. No,
4: I'm the one that said that months ago, and you all said I was wrong.
1: I think he's, like, he's like texting into everybody, hey, I'm in uh, Section 120, Row 7, yep. Seat 5. There's no way
4: our boss, the great the wars, finds him on TV every single time and goes, hey, right-field Will coincidentally is here in
1: Anaheim. I didn't think about that. Our boss would be the guy – is there a secret relationship between the great DA and the great field Will that we don't know about? <laughs>
4: Maybe they're Twitter buddies.
1: I don't see DA as a Twitter guy. Maybe they follow
4: each other on the gram.
1: They may this could be a conspiracy. Yeah
4: something we need to ask them during our next meeting.
1: Well, I didn't think about that. No, but uh, we love all of our great fans. I think it's so much fun when we get to see these guys when they go to different ballparks. And then, of course, they call into the post-game show and they tell me everything that they're doing. I just love to live through them. Uh, It's a good life. It is a really good life if you can travel around with a Major League Baseball team and see the sights, get to see this country. It's one of the things I've always enjoyed about traveling with the team is getting to see... All every city's some cities are better than other, but better than others. But every single city has something historical. Every city has something to see. Every city has something they can hang their hat on too. There's no question about it.
4: By the way, you mentioned Chesapeake Bay. The Chesapeake Bay Bridge is one of the most terrifying bridges in, that I've ever been across. That was when I had a fear of going over bridges over water. I've kind of gotten past that. Uh, the Golden Gate Bridge shook that for me when I moved here. But I recommend everyone, if they go to Ocean City, Maryland, or ever around the Ocean City, Maryland area, to check out the Chesapeake Bay Bridge. Really cool bridge out there on the, over the Chesapeake.
1: You had a phobia of going over
4: bridges. Fear. It was a fear of heights. Yeah, I'm past it now.
1: Like like what? You were afraid you were gonna just fall off and collapse into the water.
4: Yeah, I don't think I'm the only person that had that that has that fear oh, when they go across I, bridges. I, I,
1: probably not. So Tori Lovello, the manager of the D-backs, here at 4:15. Nikki Pickett, Nikki Knox, I don't even know how many. Nikki Pie Shop. That's what we should call him because he does love the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. Nick Allen will be here. As I've told all of you, I grew up with his mother. I grew up with his aunt. I grew up with his grandparents. Uh, always love me some Nick Allen. Back in the big leagues, back playing every day and hot. Last four games hitting 429. Starting to get those hits to go with the glove. He's going to join us. After BP
4: mostly. Uh, it's After usually BP. when we have. Yeah. So I don't know, like four forty five ish in there. Four yeah, somewhere in there.
1: And then Matt Kawahara is gonna be here from the San Francisco Chronicle.
4: Correct. Matt knows. I was texting with him last night. He was originally four fifteen and then the D backs told me Tori and I'm like, hey Matt, sorry I got a bumpy for the manager. Matt understood. He knows that he might have got big leaked.
1: It's okay. He's a pro. I wouldn't say that you got big leaked for the manager. The manager show is sponsored.
4: No, no, no. I'm talking about Tori.
1: Oh, for Tori. Well, should we bring Tori? Brought to you by Nest Betting.
4: <laughs> Me, my, why not? I mean, Bob Melvin remembered it when we were in San Diego.
1: Okay, Tori again is at four fifteen. How much time we got?
4: Uh, about well, six minutes.
1: And that's something I can talk to Tori about too. Is that we keep monitoring the numbers of where we are. Rule changes. How does it change the game? How does it? How does it? our experience, our enjoyment. Once again, we're the entertainment business. I got this kid lined up outside, former, he's like the Justin Timberlake, where he's breaking away from BTS.
4: Harry Styles.
1: There's kids, yeah, it's Harry Styles One Direction.
4: One Direction, yes. It's
1: like Harry Styles breaking away from, there's tents out here, people, and I'm not talking about homeless, I'm talking about teenagers (laughs) who have been camping out for days to get in early, they can't wait to see this kid. It's the entertainment business. So, good news. Our games are down, nine-inning games, from 303 to 237. That is great news. Stolen base success rate is up to 78.4% versus 75.4. Stolen base attempts are up 0.89 to 0.68. That doesn't count Oakland. We, we I, Our percentage has to be through the roof. I mean, we never stole bases. Now, Ruiz... Who's on pace for 72, which would be the American League rookie record? Set by Kenny Lofton.
4: I looked up with who the uh, A's not
1: Kenny Loggins, not, oh. not Raider great and Hall of Famer James Lofton, Stanford also James Lofton.
4: Um, the the A's rookie record was set 1978 by Miguel Delone, 50. So Essie's at 19. I mean, he's going to
1: have that by the All-Star
4: break. Ricky would have had 60 by the All-Star break. Oh, you should be ashamed of yourself. settle
1: down, Ricky. <laughs> we got a new kid running. And uh, hello, baseball Betty. All of our friends are out today. What is it? What is today?
4: Tuesday, Today's May 16th. Nurses' night.
1: Oh, congrats. That's a big night for you. It
4: is. My wife and her cohorts will be here.
1: I'm surprised you didn't barge in and lead to the show with it. Uh,
4: the the headband that if you have the special ticket for it tonight is actually sitting on the remote rodeo studio at your house in the garage. I will show it, it next time. Yeah, it's sitting there behind. It's sitting there next to Otani. We put all the angels slash my wife memorabilia together. So Otani, uh, the rally monkey, and now the the nurse's headband.
1: Is it safe to say we're ready for the team to go on the road? I think so. Yeah. 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 I,
4: I, <laughs> I, I... Oh, we got a new bobblehead that to too. Big three bobblehead.
1: What big three? Our big three? Our like big three, yeah. Those, those, I got those old guys? Yeah, I got it I got it last week for us. The pitching coach at Auburn, that guy? Yeah. And the musician? The musician, yeah. Nashville or wherever the hell he's living?
4: And I'm pretty
1: sure isn't Mulder, a really good golfer. Mulder's just sitting, living the dream, playing golf, raising and kids. In Arizona, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, three true outcomes. This is something that I don't want to say is alarming because I don't think it is. Three true outcomes. Home run, strikeout, walks. Three true outcomes. Three, The three true outcomes, well, it, it, it's down, and that's a good thing. But it's not down as much as you would think, from 34.5 to 33.4. Now, I've had this conversation with multiple people, and some people have said, oh, look at the batting average. Batting average hasn't changed that much, no shifting. Two, 248 now to 243. I know I just gave you a lot of numbers there, but the key of what we're talking about is – is about how making the changes with the new rules, it takes time for there to meet the huge dramatic shifts. In five years, check back to meet the percentages of the three true outcomes. Check back with batting average. Check back with stolen bases. It takes a long time to turn the ship. It takes a long time. But we're seeing there's been change. You know, we've changed the rules. We haven't completely changed the players yet. These guys have been playing a certain style. They've learned to come up and play with this certain style, the three true outcome style. Hit home runs, walk, and pitchers try and strike everybody out. So that's the style. We are just two months into these new rules, and we're already seeing the changes. If we stick with this, what do you think it will be like in – 5 years, 10 years. There's going to be a dramatic change in batting average, stolen bases, less strikeouts. You know, seeing more of balls being put in play because this is what they want when they reached out and they did their research. What did they want to see from the fans? Well, what did the fans want to see? They wanted to see more action and they wanted to see the games be shorter. Well, the numbers are showing there is more action and we're seeing a dramatic change and how long the games are?
4: I'm glad to see the numbers on the the, the games are down because even last night's game, I know it was five two, but that game got done quick. I can't remember the last time we what was the last time we had a three hour game. I have no it's, idea. It's it's been a while, but yeah, the three trial outcomes are down. You're seeing. Well,
1: put it this way: we had a game with Tampa and New York that was three oh nine that. Joel Sherman was saying, who covers baseball national columns for for the New York Post, he said if that was without the pitch timer, that easily game would have been four hours.
4: And it was probably like a 9-8 game. It was one of those high-scoring Yankee Rays games over the weekend. Well,
1: I think about for the players, too. I wonder for the veteran players, now that games are anywhere, let's face it, we're talking about averages, but we're seeing dramatic for like American League games and A's games. We're seeing a, a big difference. 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, what that does for how that helps the players and what that does for them from a standpoint of less wear and tear on the body.
4: Yeah, for guys like you want to see play longer, like a guy like a Mike Trout who has had some injury problems, he's out of the he's off his feet quicker and, and he's sitting down long and the games aren't as long. I mean, we're not, we're, we have guys like Otani. What he did last night was great with the hitting, you know, what he goes seven innings pitching and he hit, almost hit for the cycle. Um, but yeah, it's great to have these guys off their feet for not being and uh, being out there for the three. What was it, three hundred seven you said last year? or Three hundred yeah, three. Three hundred three. So I mean, to but throw, it was like
1: three hundred seven. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's just it's it's and, and remember w- when we always give you those numbers. Those are nine inning games. We're not counting, you know, these games at, And Thank God we. Uh, I know I'm a dinosaur. I you know it might be you. Can, you can't call me old Space Mountain. Did you get me my new drop by the it, way? It's in there. Yeah. You can't call me old Space Mountain because I'm the one that likes the extra inning rule.
4: Yeah. you're. I know, I know a lot of people on Twitter, uh, when I see in our A's fan base, they're not a big fan of it. I, I mean, I'm with you. I've always liked oh it. Oh, my
1: God. I see extra innings. I go, this game's going to be over soon. I'm not thinking, what time is it going to be in the 14th inning, yeah. 15th inning? And by the way, can you imagine? I just throw this out there, A's fans. Oh, there he is. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would be like? With our bullpen, the worst bullpen in baseball, a historically bad bullpen, if we didn't have the extra inning rules. Can you even imagine what that would be like? I mean, absolutely unbelievable. I can't even imagine what that would be like. That would be one of the most horrific things, what that would do to our bullpen, as bad as the bullpen has been, and now you're talking about what that could do to the bullpen, like, you know, for a week, three, four days a week, what that would be like, here he is, the manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks, former Oakland Athletic, Terry Lavello, joining us here on A's Cast Live. Always great to have him. As we've been telling people all this time, whenever we have him on, we, we give everybody the option to stream audio or be on video, since we basically made this a TV show, has always requested that we're on video. For sure. My man. How are you?
0: I got a face for video, 100%.
1: Ace fans love you. Don't worry about it. I like to get the beard. It's been going good, huh?
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to look a little rough, like, you know, upgrade the image to a tough guy. You know what I mean?
1: Well, I'm going to tell you this. As we were down spring training and we were doing all of our preview stuff mm-hmm. – and we were talking about the t- who's going to win this and who's going to win that. I said I have one surprise team in the National League, and I was looking at what the snakes were doing in the second half of last year, running wild. And we got these new rules, and you got all <laughs> these all these kids that are super athletes. Will you admit, Cody? Tell him who was my <laughs> my surprise team in the National League will be who? The Arizona
4: Diamondbacks.
0: Oh, like hey. Boy, he really cued you up for that one. You had, <laughs> had to go there. Can you imagine if he said, like, I don't even know, the the, the, Dodgers. Mi- the Miami the Miami Marlins. You'd be like, oh, bummer. Wah, wah. Uh, listen, I appreciate that. The
1: Mets and the yeah. highest payroll. What? <laughs>
0: yeah. you, um, you've you always given us a lot of love. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, we had some lean years here. We had some really lean times. Uh, but we knew, you're right, at the back half of last year, some of our younger prospects had been percolating. And, and uh, they got up here and they performed. They did their job and it started to translate. We felt very good about this offseason, but it meant working and, and still teaching and going out there for them every single day. And we're watching the improvements right now. It's been a lot of fun for us.
1: Well, I remember the interview that we did in 2019 down in San Diego at the winter meetings at the Manchester Hyatt, where we talked so much about the culture of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Every single day, what it's like to be in that clubhouse, what it's like to be on the field, winning all the little things, teaching these guys. And yes, there could be some rough moments, and you went through the rough moments. But you talked about building a winning culture And you have. You have to be proud of yourself, your staff, and the organization for what you've built, and the fact that everybody believed in it and it's come true.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You remember Um, that? I do. I totally remember that. Culture is important. Uh, I I think when you go out there and and it's a cohesive unit and they believe in the same thing, and culture is really about bringing people together for one common one common reason, and that's to go out and win baseball games and, and just. Push forward daily. So um, it's like starting a new business, right? You take a chance and you, you do things and say things and you wonder how somebody's going to respond to it. You back it up with some some good thoughts or ideas, and the next you know he's talking about it. And that's kind of what what's going on. You know, we we have a couple words in our culture that you don't use every day. It's love, trust, commitment, and effort. Um, you use, you say love in the in sports, it throws people off. But you know, I was watching the Super Bowl when the Rams won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Every single player, uh, I think McVeigh was mic'd up. They went up to him, hugged him and said, I love you, Coach. I I really love you. And I think that's where it starts with us. When you, when you talk about building something special, it's got to be really deep inside of the heart.
1: Love, trust, commitment. And effort. You know what I didn't hear there? Weighted runs created plus. <laughs> OPS plus. Uh, o swing percentage. All the data does matter. It does, but yeah. But we're dealing with human beings, and that... There, 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 there's something about human beings coming together. It's more than just numbers.
0: Absolutely. Um, I, I, I love the data. It shows up and it's real. It's a real thing. But at the end of the day, when you walk into the, into the batter's box, that's a human emotion and, uh, that's controlling what you're doing and making, making sure you believe that you can do it. And when you, have a, when you have an army of people that are backing you and talking to you and, and, and you built trust and relationship with, you're going to go up there and feel like you're not never alone. And I know the same thing. I wasn't a pitcher, but I've learned a lot about pitching. I'm sure the pitchers feel the same way. Every time they throw a pitch, Brent Strom and Dan Carlson are with them and executing with them.
1: Brent Strom, when I was growing up in San Diego, the old San Diego School of Baseball, Brent Strom was one of the owners. Alan Trammell, Tony Gwynn. I just think how this guy has been around forever, and no matter where he goes, all the pitchers get better. It's insane.
0: Yeah, you know, and I'll tell you what, it starts with the relationship. And he he makes a bond with these guys, and uh, he's a pitching guru. He's got ideas and thoughts that it's just they're bouncing off of off of his mind and his mind all day long, and he comes together with his group of, of teachers, the other pitching coaches, and they have a good idea to how to make people better every single day. And you're right, it's not a, it's not any mystery that where he goes, success follows.
1: So when I think about young players, because we're now dealing with a lot of young players, you've done, with it, you've done it for years, what is the key? They're gonna take their lumps, there's gonna be the issues, there's gotta be times where you pat them on the back, other times you gotta kick them in the butt, yeah. but what really is the key to helping young players get better?
0: um always being there for them being accessible um you know providing answers i think one of the things we really believe in is that i ask the coaches to have good content and i encourage the players to ask why when I was told to do something when I was a player, it was you did it or else you were out. And I just felt like it wasn't the most creative way for me to go out there and perform. Players are smart today. They're they're on an information highway. They understand exactly what's going on every single day with them, around them, their friends, their colleagues. And you better find out why when you ask them to do something. Young players are pretty 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 intelligent today uh you know and and the bottom line is we got to go out there and execute as as a unit and when we do that good things happen
1: and you look at your division kind of sizing everybody up how do you feel
2: about it
0: um i feel really good uh i I know that the dodgers and the padres are there the giants are always very very um uh lethal they're they're capable of winning getting on winning a lot of games getting on 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 a on a string of uh good moments and Uh, You know, I don't want to discount the Rockies either. They have a huge home field uh, advantage up there. And um, we just know we got to take care of our business. I'll tell you, the biggest transition for me and us and what we're talking about now is the weight is on us and what's happening in our dugout. At times where we were young and making a lot of mistakes, we'd look across and say, oh, my God, we're playing the Dodgers. Or, oh, my God, we're playing the Padres. Now it's like we're in our dugout. We're playing our game against the Padres or the Dodgers or the Giants. And I think our guys are growing up and they're maturing. And it goes back to to the, to the main thing, you know, being able to ask why, build that relationship, build that trust, build that bond. It's a pretty impressive unit that we have over there in that in that dugout.
1: We, we, we've known Corbin's going to be a superstar. We've been reading about him, right, right? all mm-hmm. the prospects. When he signs and makes the commitment, because people can always say, oh, you could have got a lot more. What does that do for your franchise when he signs for the money that he did? And he said, "You know what? I'm all in."
0: Well, it's it's he's a pretty impressive person. Um, he's a good man. He's a good, good young man. He's a good human being, and, and that that went into it as well. So, uh, we want to build around him for the next 10 years, and that's what it says. It makes a statement that when you're a good player, you do things right, and you have results, and you're projected to be a good player. He hasn't done a lot yet, but we felt like it was it was he was on the right course, and. Um, I think it makes a commitment to the rest of the guys, like, if you're the right guy, we're going to build around you, and we're going to keep keep getting these pieces and get better every single day.
1: Uh, gallon's not bad, by the way.
0: <laughs> you know, I'll go back to that day. We were in New York at the trade deadline in 19, and we were trading Zach Granke and, and um, you know, all of a sudden we, that was the main the main feature trade guy, the trade yeah. piece that we had because we were a little bit over 500, and we weren't pushing towards making a playoff, and we ended up making a run after the trade deadline, which was really impressive. But there was a small little trade that took place. It was Jazz Chisholm for a guy by the name of Zach Gallon. It it was very underwhelming and kind of under the radar. Good trade for us.
1: I think about this stadium. I think about your career. I think about the relationships you built here. Yeah. How you kind of grew as a person here. Yeah. So when you, it's been a while, right? You don't come yeah. here all the time. Yeah. What is it like to, when you come back to the old stadium?
0: Well, I answered the question today, you know, who were the who, I played for a lot of teams and I tell everybody that it's not that I wasn't good enough. I just was so popular. Everybody wanted me on their team. Yes. The bottom line is <laughs> I was a 26 guy and I was falling off the <laughs> roster. Um, but I, I, I look back on my year here with such fondness. I had some great teammates, um, Mike Bordick, Scott Brocious, um, Mark McGuire, uh, yeah, it, the list, Terry Steinbach, the list went on and on and on. And I, I still have, they're, they're still my friends to this day. So I cherish that. But when I walk back into the stadium, it's a lot of the clubbies. You know, it's Mikey Thalbloom, it's yeah. Brian, uh, it, it's the, the ushers that, that remember me. And it's just, you know, I, I have good, fond memories. We had a good team that year. We just, our pitching kind of fell apart towards the end of the year, but uh, it was a good organization. Billy Bean ran a great organization, and he still does.
1: Well, I gotta tell you, we're rooting for you. Thank you. And it's easy—you're in the National League. We can root for you, but exciting. I love the athleticism. I love it. Fearless. Yeah. Fearless athleticism—it's tough to beat.
0: I agree. We're in a good spot. I appreciate that.
1: Thanks for stopping by. Anytime. Anytime. We got more coming up next right here on A's Cast Live. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Streaming from the town,
2: A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
1: You want a no-brainer question? What do we got? My wife literally has just texted me saying when the kids get out of the school, you wanna you wanna to go to Hawaii? Why not? Like, what am I gonna
2: say? No. You can't you can't? I, I'd say yes.
1: I mean, I could take a few days, right? <laughs>
2: Yeah. What would yeah. what would
1: Nick Allen? What would you do? Would you would you say, hey, give me a couple of days off? Go to Hawaii? here
2: here? No, no, I'd, I'd say here, but I say at the end of the season, I'd go to Hawaii right away. Yeah.
1: All right. <laughs> so we got Nikki Pickett. We got Nikki Knox. That's Dallas Braden. Uh, we got a new one for you. You ready? What we got? Nikki Pie Shop.
2: Oh yeah, I love me some Pie Shop.
1: See, people need to know when we hear the advertising for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek. He grew up at the original. That's our family restaurant in San Diego, the San Diego Chicken Pie Shop. So you've been eating yeah. chicken pies and eating the pie shop your entire life.
2: Entire life, yeah. I had birthdays there uh, when I was younger, so uh, I'm just glad that there's one up here. It makes it feel like home.
1: Well, you know, we talked when you came back up, and you said you made some adjustments. What were the adjustments, and how you feeling?
2: Yeah, I mean, um, I think a lot of it was just to uh, – Kind of feel like I can do what I do best. Um, honestly, sometimes that's just me not, you know, feeling the pressure of missing in the air. You know, if I miss in the air, I think, um, you know, here like it gets caught. But I think I need I need that that rhythm in my swing to feel like I can stay through pitches, not feel like I have to necessarily really really hit down on the baseball um, because then I'm in and out of the zone and I can't really stay on off-speed pitches the way I want to so when I went down to Vegas uh, I thought you know let's just hit hard line drives hit the ball hard and if I miss in the air let's not get down like hard on myself there you know it is what it is and um, and you know I think I had great success there I think when I came back up here you know that pressure of needing to hit you know the ball hard and low I think that sometimes kind of just got in my head a little bit. So now I'm just starting to get back into the feel of, you know, let's stay through the baseball. Let's stay behind the baseball. Let's hit the ball hard. Obviously, I want to keep it lower. But if I miss it in the air, let's not, like, you know, be like, ah, oh, you, you got you hit it low. You know, no, it's okay. It is what it is, you know.
1: Take us through that process of what it's like when they tell you you're going down. Obviously, you're not happy about it. And you go down, you get on the flight, you go to wherever the team is, and you gotta like recalibrate, and you know there's changes that you have to make to get back up here. What's that process like? Because it has to be a little uncomfortable and not so much fun.
2: I think, you know, when I got sent down, I honestly, in my head, I was in a good headspace. I felt like I had a couple good at bats. Uh, I was starting to feel things that I wanted to feel, and uh, I just knew, you know, when I go back and get my at bats in Vegas, I was like, I'm gonna feel good. I'm gonna feel confident. I'm in a good space to get going. And um, and I've obviously, you know, I had my my success down there. Um, so I was in a good headspace. I know sometimes, you know, last year when I if, when I went down, it, you're kind of like, ah, what's going on? You know, this and that. But this year, it was a lot a lot better for me. Because you go down and you know you got to
1: make the changes and put up the numbers to get back. So I mean, you you have to accept. I have to I have to change something, right?
2: Yes, yes. Um, but there, I just felt like you know I'm gonna see what I got right now. I felt I feel good, and I'm gonna, like I said, not put the 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 pressure of my on myself of trying to hit the ball hard and low. Like I want to hit the ball hard, but you know sometimes you just to give yourself the right leverage, you got to feel like you know you got to have some good misses in the air too. So, um, and that's what it's all about. It's in down there, like I was hitting doubles, you know, hard, hitting the ball hard. Um, so, I think that's you gotta know you gotta put up the numbers, but I also knew that it was a process you know i could I could go off down in triple a and then you know up here there was just no spot, so I just knew like I just gotta play my game and be ready for when the opportunity's uh called upon
1: and how nice is it when it's really a situation where you know you're gonna play
2: versus showing up to
1: the yard you don't know every day
2: I mean it's definitely uh uh it's hard when you you know you're sitting a little bit and then you get at bats. It's not easy, but it's part of this game. You got to be ready yeah. to do it, you know. But definitely when you're playing every day, uh, you kind of got that comfortability and um, and you're preparing. You have your routines and everything just syncs up uh, well.
1: What is it like hitting ninth? Do you have that? Do you have that idea that you know, you're a second leadoff guy?
2: That's what I try to think. Uh, you know, sometimes when you're sitting there and you're waiting for your bat, you get a little jittery and all that kind of stuff. Uh, just kind of waiting for it. But uh, no, I mean, it's it's the second leadoff. It's it's the guy, you know, get on base for the leadoff hitter, uh, for him to do what he needs to do. Um, so no, if I can go down and, and, and be, you know, hopefully keep competing and keep trying to be the best ninth nine-hole hitter in the league, man, I mean, we'd give ourselves a good opportunity.
1: Now that you've had the experience, you have way more experience from when we first talked to you when you got up. What, what What's like the biggest difference for you now comfort-wise or whatever, versus when you were first here?
2: I think it's just kind of knowing what it feels like to be up here, um, knowing what kind of goes on around you. And, um, I mean, the game's the same. You know, I think uh, I found some comfortability a little bit last year just in being here. Um, But I feel like now it's like I'm starting to notice that, like, you, you know, you can have success here. You just got to play your game and you got to do what you feel is uh, right for you. Cause I mean, I've, I've seen myself play every single time I play, right? I'm the one who's always been in my shoes. So um, I got to know what I've done to have success it works. And yeah. Works I, I can see where people yeah. could
1: get out of their game when they get here and you try and be something you're not. Yeah. Cause you finally made it right. I'm in the yeah. big leagues. I want to, it's like, yeah, you need to
2: do what you do well. Yeah. I mean, no one knows me better than me. So that's what I got to understand. That's what I'm really trying to preach to myself as best as I can uh, right now. Is that I've 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 played in big scenarios. I've played in big situations. Obviously, this is the big leagues. But you know, you go through life and everything is new, and you and you you find a way to you know to be good in those situations. So why not now? You know, find a way. So that's what I'm. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do.
1: Have you made any adjustments at all since? Uh, let's talk defense, because obviously yeah. everybody wants to talk offense, but. One of the main reasons you're here is because of what you do defensively. Have do you, have you made any changes or any adjustments since you've gotten here?
2: I think just to be you know, just more routine base and make sure I'm making the uh, the the routine plays make them look smooth and and and, and formal. I don't know how to say that. Uh, don't try to do too much on routine balls. Um, I think that's always been big. Imar and I are really working on a backhand right my backhand right now and then forehand spinning fire sometimes uh just to kind of add those in the repertoire if i ever need them but um yeah if i can just be as routine as possible i think that's big for me
1: all right you got to be honest with me here i've been waiting to ask you this you're still kind of shifting even though it's against the rules i can see it i can see you guys you guys are so right up on it and what people don't watch because we watch the ball right that's human nature pitcher is getting ready to deliver the ball and as these de- people need to watch you guys you're you're moving.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Has anybody do they do the umps ever say anything or do they no, even
2: notice? I haven't heard a thing. I mean I, I I try to get as close to this the second base as possible, um, without obviously going over over the bag or on the bag. Um but uh yeah, I mean whenever that pitch is crossing the zone and you see the swing, you you know, you you read it as best you can. If that's taking me over the bag, it's taking me over the bag. I think I think according to the rules, I think that's fine. So uh, just got to keep keep going with it.
1: Now, if I'm a pitcher and you do that, and the guy hits a routine ground ball to short. How's that working out? And you're not there.
2: It's tough. I mean, yeah. obviously, it's just it is what it is. You know, we go by what the you know analytics say, and um, it's just kind of how baseball is now. Uh, so it is what it is.
1: Are, are they saying it on every batter? Because I remember in the shifting, we got to a point shifting. They shifted on people who they shouldn't even have been shifting on.
2: Yeah, I mean we got percentages, and you know our coaching staff and uh, our analytical team do a great job, of really putting in the work to see uh, where everyone's hitting the baseball, and um, so we just kind of put get put in that position, and you know sometimes they hit you there, hit it there, you know, yeah. and it's like wow we took a hit away, and sometimes obviously they might just go in the hole, and you're like, well darn, you know, like what we could have been there, but it's just how it's going right now. So it's just baseball, you're kind of, you know. Um, just kind of in those situations and I'm uh, right now I'm playing wherever I'm told. So,
1: okay. So we got so used to Chapman and Simeon and they knew each other. So well, uh, you obviously you're going to have different second basemen. You're going to have different third basements and just, how does that affect you when you have different guys on different nights?
2: Um, you know, you got. I think now that we've played with each other a lot, um, with the different kind of combinations that are out there, uh, you're getting to know kind of where they're positioned or what what they like to do. So it's just you're getting more comfortable with uh, each player as every time you get out there with them. So um, yeah, it might be you know different here and there. So uh, you just gotta you know maybe ask the person like, hey, you, you good here? You good there? So just communication. All right, so yeah.
1: when you get back from this road trip, we're going to have to plan a uh, Nikki Pie Shop night at the Chicken Pie Shop in Walnut Creek. Why not? Why not? I love it. Do you like it, Nikki Pie Shop? Uh, as long as I get credit for it. <laughs> you came up with it? I you came up it? with it, oh, yes. Oh, that's him, huh? We make it like a jersey, yeah. or what do you want? You want I, I think we can do it as a giveaway. Do it as a giveaway? Yeah. Maybe have like a full-on party and give away Nikki Pie Shop shirts.
4: I think uh, I'm all in for that one. You don't, you don't have to put my name or anything on it. You can say Nicky Pie Shop. I love it. I
2: love it. That's Always awesome. great Thank to you see you, my man. Hey, appreciate keep it, it. up. Yeah. It's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And, of course, one day at a time, one I say it all time. the time.
1: I grew up with this family. That was one of the coolest things about spring training, seeing your mom and your aunt. Yeah. And I hadn't seen them in years. I sat and watched a lot of the game with them. It was. Uh, they're really proud, and it's really special.
2: Oh, I'm thankful for all of them, yeah. All right, and buddy. Be well. Appreciate you. We got more coming
1: up right here on A's Cast Live. Thank you, guys. With more sunshine returning, it's time to get outside and make the most of what Cinnabar Hills Golf Club has to offer, like 27 championship-caliber holes tucked in the beautiful hills of San Jose. And take advantage of their amazing Bay Area views for your next special event. It's all for you at Cinnabar Hills Golf Club, an award-winning venue designed to peacefully take you away from the bustle of Silicon Valley. Go to CinnabarHills.com. That's CinnabarHills.com.
2: A's Cast Live continues from Ricky Henderson Field. Here's Chris Townsend.
1: I know this is a segment you didn't think you'd ever hear on this program, but I'm fine with that, and I'm secure with it. And I know it's probably not going to shock you, but I was never a big boy band guy. It's never my thing. And really, you know, the the original boy band. And they were before my time, but you know, I knew them when I was a kid. Was Menudo? That was the big boy band. And then all of a sudden, they all—we were trying to figure out all the boy bands. So there was New Edition. There was New Kids on the Block. There was In Sync. There was Ninety Eight Degrees. There was Backstreet Boys. And then Harry Styles was the One Direction, right?
4: One Direction, yeah. Forgot. I mean, I throw out Hanson because they're three brothers. That's and brothers.
1: Boy bands are guys that don't know each other. They audition and they put these guys together, knowing that they're gonna go out and make a lot of money. They're all good-looking kids. They all can sing. They all can dance. But they don't know each other from Adam. They all just audition. They put them together. It's not. It's. It's not a real band. You know, like four guys in, in the parents' garage, and next thing you know, they're Aerosmith. No, these are picked. It's like Disney. Like Timberlake was a Disney kid. Uh, what
4: were they called? The Mickey Mouse Club.
1: So they pick them, put them together, and mass produce them and make a ton of money. I got nothing against it. So Sugar from BTS. I had no idea who he was. I had no idea who he was either. I, I- thought it was BTS. There are literally people camped. Outside of the Coliseum parking lot, people now—they've been in line. It's crazy. People slept in the cold on concrete. I mean, you already have your tickets. I mean, yeah. Unless you're like—I don't know if it's first come, first serve to get in to see how close they are. But they already—I mean—they're camping out. Like you're not going to shower. You're going to be—I mean. I'm here for X amount of hours and I feel dirty. I can't imagine being here for almost 48 hours to see Suga from BTS. And I, and I heard- don't know why I keep saying Suga.
4: Yeah, when I, when I would see that, I would, I wouldn't, I would think of like a hip hop group or something with the.
1: Our the- interns are all upset. They want me to sneak them in. Over to the concert. No, I'm not going over there and buying them concert shirts. they got to get wait, their own sugar shirts. Wait, they, they can't. The, oh, these kids, they act like they don't like BTS.
4: They're all uh, in. You're they, telling me they don't know about the uh, Draymond Green Tunnel that connects the. Remember when Draymond was suspended from was game, game five or whatever, and he was sitting there hanging out of the A's game with Bob Myers?
1: <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget that. That was right before we got the Warriors at 95-7 the game. Yeah. Then there were the days when I was hosting the Warriors pre- and post-game show. So playoff games would be at 5 o'clock at Oracle. I'd then pack my stuff up right before tip-off, walk underneath the tunnels, and walk myself back up to the treehouse. I would do the A's pregame show on a different station because they were bumped from 95-7. And then once I was done with A's, I'd get my backpack, walk all the way back, and it'd be before halftime. And I'd watch the second half, and then do the Warriors post game show all the way through two championships. I did that. I would be doing A's and Warriors same time.
4: I believe the, the I believe the Western and Eastern Conference Finals start tonight for basketball.
1: How you, are you? Kings in it?
4: Uh, no. Uh, are but, your Sixers? Uh, Doc Rivers. Uh, I mean, how
1: many teams did you get? Doc Rivers Doc, fired. Uh, Doc wow. Rivers
4: fired. Yeah. Well, wasn't Isn't it
1: amazing? All these teams fired playoff coaches. It, it's, Where are you going to find – like, they're all retreads anyways. Where are you going to find other coaches?
4: Yeah, we'll see. Okay, so not to go off on it, but basketball does the next job of finding other co- – Hockey's the worst at it. When you're talking about, like, finding a new coach, a new voice, hockey just hi- – Peter DeBoer got fired from the Sharks. He found another – he's had, like, three jobs since then. It's hockey's the same guys that get hired. At least basketball, they'll hire assistants from other teams. Like Toronto, when they had Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse was this. No one knew who Nick Nurse was.
1: Well, how about when Sutter left the Sharks and went down and run the cup with the Kings?
4: Exactly. And they had uh, Todd McClellan. Now McClellan then got fired. He went to coach Edmonton. He got fired there. Now he's coaching the Kings. So, I mean, it's just it's a whole. They just all move around. At least baseball and basketball and football, they find assistants and bench coaches, and they promote them. Or hockey, it's the same dudes over and over again.
1: Well... Football is technically having the problem baseball has recently had because baseball said, ah, we got to get rid of the old guys. We need the young guys who understand the analytics, which is really, we need the young guys who are cheap and we can boss around. And what ended up happening, and they found it out for X amount of years, is this, players didn't respect them. If the players know you got no juice – this goes back to the old Raider days. How, no, 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 um, no player was going to respect any of the coaches because they knew Al Davis made all the moves. So as long as Al's making all the moves, as long as you're in with Al, you can tell your position coach. Your position coach comes in and says, "Hey, I want to get the hell out of here. You got no juice." Once players know you've got no, you got nothing. You've got no control. You can't really help my career or hurt my career. They don't, have, whether that's right or wrong, don't blame me. It's not how, that's not, I'm just saying, what I have seen in my career, especially NFL and Major League Baseball, when the players know you don't have a hammer, good luck. Good luck, Bob Guerin. And look what happened to Bob Guerin. Bob Guerin has been a bench coach, but no one he's interviewed hasn't had a shot at being a manager since that was a long time Bob because he had Melvin for what eight years
4: no Bobby was here for 11 years Bobby was here from Bobby Bobby's here from what 11 to 21 so was that 10 11 years yeah
1: so Bob 11 years and Kotze's in his second year yeah so it's been a long time since Bob Garen has been a manager so what
4: well, Garen interviewed for the was it the Mets most recently before Buck got. I think that's the job that he interviewed for most recently
1: well, there's been 29 other teams and no one's hired him. Yeah. Just uh, you know who was the guy in Saint Jace Tingler. Yes. There's this. There's these guys that are just young guys and, and just some stick, some can and there's You know, and it's not really it should be about your age. It should be like how are you going to be able to manage and run the show, right? Yeah. Aaron Boone came out of the TV booth. He's been pretty darn successful in New York. Now he hasn't won a championship, or has he been to a World Series? Won a lot of games, but there, Alex Cora
4: is a good example. He won a World Series. There,
1: there's different ways to do it, and now, and now, as we went, as we went into such a young mode, we got to get young guys. Now the trend is what? Old guys. Well, I mean, you can call them veterans. You don't have to call these men. You don't have to just oh, throw dirt on Dusty Baker and Bruce Bochy. Last time I checked, and Buck that, Showalter now. Well, I don't know. Sixty-seven. Have some respect for your elders. 67's
4: sevens a new thirty-seven, according to everyone, for Bruce Bochi and Tony Larusa and Dusty. Wait, what did you just say? Bust, uh, uh, Buck, 67's sevens a new thirty-seven.
1: Did you see? Did you? Did you just see the Texas Rangers here?
4: Yeah, they're pretty
1: good. Did you see Bruce Bochi go out to the mound? Yes. He didn't look thirty-seven to me. <laughs>
4: Mike Maddox was pretty good, and he's up there.
1: They should have. They should have had a pitch timer on Bochi for how long it took. A, I mean that. I mean
4: he should I, be able to just. Say,
1: I know he's had the hip replacement and the knee replacement, but first of all, he's bent over. The hips are kind of turned, and, and it's just walk. You're going too fast. I mean he's Herman Munster walking out to the mound.
4: Uh, they should have. Said, they should be able to let him just uh, communicate via pitch calm from the dugout. Just he pushes a button and says throw strikes.
1: You know, it's interesting that you say that because I've had some ideas. Uh, Sunday, the manager of your Oakland Athletics, Mark Kotsay, got thrown out and nobody knew. Because I was doing TV on that day, so we didn't get to see. And all of a sudden, so I follow the game on my iPad, right? You follow pitch by pitch, and all of a sudden it says, Mark Kotsay ejected. And I was texting the great Johnny Dosko going, J.D., what the hell happened? He's up doing – I don't know if he was doing radio or TV that day – and he was like, I don't know. No one knew. And then Tori Lavello last night, all of a sudden, he goes running out to the first base coach to complain about something. He had been thrown out. Is throwing out managers just an archaic practice? No other sport throws out. You can throw out a coach after, what, two tees in basketball? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh- Does a hockey coach ever get thrown out?
4: Couldn't tell you the last time I saw it, but I'm sure they're sure they do.
1: NFL coaches, I I you can, I don't think we Oh god, what was the last time an NFL coach got thrown I, out? Look that up. When's the, when's the last time an NFL coach got thrown out of a game? But let me tell you something. I being on the sidelines, Jack Del Rio and John Gruden. John Gruden. John Gruden said stuff to these refs. You couldn't believe the language, and it was all game, he was on him all game long. No one gets thrown out. No flag. I mean, is that just? Is it archaic throwing these guys out?
4: Uh, it's
1: stupid. Oh, I don't like what you said. You're out of here. What's what what what?
4: Yeah. I mean, we saw we saw. Well, we didn't even got to it yet, but Aaron Boone got thrown out from the Yankee game last night. But but uh, the, our good friend Mike Farron and Jim Duquette asked. Um, Bob Melvin today. He was on. Bobby? Uh, he was on, Yeah, Bobby was on Power Alley this morning. All right,
1: hold on. We have an answer. We last NFL coach thrown out of a game. Uh,
4: the Jets, coach, the Jets coach were so tripping that's a player? Coach,
1: head coach. Okay, the oh. Jets. Uh, what year was that? There was it. Remember the Jets? Jets coach stuck his leg out as the guy was running by. Of course, didn't Mike Tomlin do that? Steelers? No. I thought Tomlin did that. Jets coach. Oh,
4: all right, whatever. Um, but anyway, uh, they asked, they told Bruce Bochy, hey, or they told Bobby, Bobby Melvin, hey, you just passed Gene Mock on the all-time ejection list like 55 times on Bosman thrown out in his career now.
1: It's ridiculous. <laughs> and isn't it ridiculous that the manager has to walk out to make a pitching change?
4: Just pitch calm. Or just from the dugout, just.
1: Steve Kerr doesn't go out to the middle of the floor. Hey, Draymond, you're coming in, you know. Football coaches, I'm I'm switching quarterbacks. I don't walk out. I don't walk out. Hey, I'm a. It's a blowout game. I'm gonna go get Peyton Manning. I'm gonna go. Hey, time out, time out. You're gonna walk out and grab the ball from Peyton Manning. And Peyton Manning runs off to the side, and the other guy comes out and you give him that. We got a lot of unnecessary garbage going on. You realize that? Matt Calhara from the San Francisco Chronicle. Let's see if he agrees. So. You were here yesterday, and you were here Sunday. Yeah. Uh, had no clue Mark Cate got thrown out. I was in San Francisco, yeah. and we're you know doing the TV. So you're watching it on. Had no clue. It popped up on the iPad. He got thrown out. Tori Lavelle last night got thrown out. No one all of a sudden he's running out there. knowing one Is this an archaic practice of throwing <laughs> guys out? I mean, does this sport really need to be at a point? Because the other sports we don't go. Oh, what did you say to me? Head football coach, you're out of here. We don't have that in other sports. I
3: didn't didn't see the Lavella one last night, or I think it was Merrill Kelly got ejected, too, after he had come out of the game, which I didn't realize until after the game was over. I didn't even realize Kelly was thrown out. Um, And it was after, like, they had removed him from the game already, and then they were like, oh, we're going to eject you anyway. Um, And then, yeah, the Kotze one I didn't even see happen in real time, but apparently uh, it was something about balls and strikes from the dugout, and so he was ejected while still in the dugout, and he had to come out and get his
1: Every sport basketball, hockey, football. You don't think they complain the entire game about calls? And we're not like, Steve Kerr, you're out of here. Mike Shanahan. I mean, like, what the hell are we? doing? It's archaic.
3: Well, Bushy needs to get his uh, pitching changes in, walking back and forth and. It's that, so.
1: uh, and that's a whole nother thing. Do we? Can't we just say, hey, go get the guy that's warming up, bring him in. Do we have to have the production of the 60-something-year-old man in uniform walk out, take the ball to have the other guy? Do we really need Is that? Is that not good for pace of play?
3: I seriously, I
1: mean, <laughs> come on. Let's. I mean, do we do? We don't need it.
3: <laughs> Would you agree? I, I I guess we don't need it. It's part of. I, I can't imagine things without it but there have been a lot of changes where you know it's hard to imagine until you actually see it so
1: well i'm all about drama if you're going to come out and go all lou pinella and flip out next thing you know run out and grab first base and throw it and entertain the crowd i'm all in for that mm-hmm. but just throwing guys out and you come out and have a quick little thing it's like a waste of time
3: yeah i can think of i can only think of really one maybe one or two where where kate is really just kind of let it go um, normally he's pretty uh, pretty professional about the argument, I would say. So, I, but I think there was there was one earlier this year where he really kind of let it, got emotional about it. And it's, I think it's uh, worth noting just kind of how even keel he's been through this entire uh, you know first quarter of the season, which obviously has been a really rough one for the team. Um, but both really in the public eye, but also I think in the clubhouse and with players, um, he's kind of kept a, a similar. Um, similar demeanor, which I would think is helpful for a lot of guys who are, you know, up here and probably you know, new and early in their careers and maybe still on a little bit of uncertain footing and, and not really sure, you know, hey, if, I, if I'm not playing well, am I in danger of, you know, getting sent out of here? Or, um, to, just to have maybe a kind of a stable influence, I think, is probably helpful.
1: You know, we knew this team wasn't going to be good, but it is shocking, really, how bad they are. When you're talking about they would become the fifth team in the modern era to lose at least 35 of their first 44. We're talking about a run differential that is trending to be the worst of all time. I mean, you look at the pitching. I get it, the payroll's not big. But for me, just watching it every day, knowing that it's little things that have led to really bad big things, they shouldn't be this bad. Are you shocked they are?
3: Well, I, you look at, I mean, some of the numbers that you cite are shocking because they are historically bad paces. I mean, the, the team ERA is a full half run ahead of whatever the highest team ERA for a full season is since 1900. You would you would like to think that that is something that's going to come down over the course of a season. Um, but, you know, it's been a quarter of a season now, and, and they're still having their struggles. Um, I think, I mean, like you said, you can point to, to um, small things that are, kind of bright spots right i mean you look at um you know, guy has a good start jp sears has had a couple of good starts estuary ruiz and driving and runners with scoring in scoring position um and you know minor thing well obviously brent rooker you, but they're kind of little bright spots in sort of the overall picture of, of what the season has been so far and i know i mean the the emphasis for for these guys. They, they want to win but the emphasis from an organizational standpoint I think is, is largely on you know what kind of progress can we see from a lot of the players who are up here for the first time or just don't have a lot of experience up here and and it's going to be rough and you're seeing kind of what the results are right now. Um, they're not pretty and I think they hope that you know there's going to be some sort of improvement and growth as the, as the season goes on but it's it's been a really rough start. I thought after last season it was going to be you weren't going to see we haven't seen even though there has been a good amount of turnover already it hasn't felt quite the same where you have you know like guys coming in for a day and then getting sent back out again it hasn't quite felt like that yet but i thought after last season that it would be really difficult to to see another season play out the the way that it was just from a win loss standpoint and so far the results have been to your point that they've been worse um so yeah i think you know Historically, it would suggest that things will get better, or at least even out a little bit. But it's the first quarter has been bad.
1: That's a good way to put it. At some point, it's got (laughs) to even out. Like there's no way it can continue to be like this. But the one thing, like I say on the post-game show all the time, is that you know you, you can't be grinding the wins and losses. The season is what is what it is. It's like how do you now find a way to get out of it? And the way to get out of it is to find good young players. And let's talk about that. We've seen some guys, you you already mentioned Ruiz. I mean, I I, he's on pace for 72 stolen bases, which would by far be the record, rookie record, in Major League Baseball history for, for the American League. I just talk what you've seen with him. He's hit with runners in scoring position. I mean, there's something here. Not great at center field yet, but there's something here.
3: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, the steals and runners in scoring position stand out. The fact that they just really, you know, two weeks into the season, they just bumped him right up to the leadoff spot and were like, hey, go hit leadoff. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't he doesn't walk a lot, um, but he's managed to, he doesn't hit the ball hard, um, which I think they, they kind of knew coming in was not really his thing, even though he had some, you know, some sneaky power numbers in, uh, in the minors, it hasn't really translated up here. But... His game isn't quite that. I mean, he'll um, he hits singles and, and he gets balls to fall in there and he gets um, gets on base and then he starts running. And I think you know he brings an element to the top of the lineup that we just haven't seen here in the last few years. Um, to your point, defensively, that has been there have definitely been growing pains so far. I mean, he doesn't grade out metrically well. Um, you saw a couple of days ago there were a couple of plays where. He didn't quite the way that Marcotte was he didn't quite take charge in center field. One of them was just a misplay. I mean, he had it hit off his glove. Um, those, so I think it's it's another example of how when you have when you're relying so heavily on on young players, you know, guys who are rookies or guys who are in their first full stint in the in the major leagues, there's going to be this balance between the good stuff and uh, and the, the struggles, the growing pains, and so. Um, I think he has been – we haven't gotten a good uh, – or at least I yeah, haven't have gotten a great read on him personality-wise, but he seems to be pretty stable. Uh, it doesn't seem like – I think the other night after after the two errors, um, he, he did take that pretty hard, and he went into Mark Cotze's office afterward, and they talked a little bit about the game. Cotze said that he wanted to uh, just to see Ruiz be more communicative in center field, take more charge out there. He said yesterday during batting practice he also walked out to center field while Ruiz was out there and, and was kind of trying to explain some things to him, having been a former center fielder himself, just about reading uh, the angles of swings and, and where the catcher is setting up and trying to anticipate uh, from those things you know, wh- what trajectory the ball is going to take so you can maybe improve on the jumps that you're getting and get a little bit better reads. And It's just like fine-tuning details with a guy who has not, been playing center field his whole career he was an infielder obviously first and then they uh you w- didn't play infield very well so uh moved out to the outfield but uh, there's he's still just trying to to improve at, at that position i think and and we're seeing that out there right now
1: yeah i want whether we have two three thousand people in the ballpark whatever it is i want everybody to hear I got it. I got it. I want I want everybody in the ballpark to hear him say that, however he is going to say it. Let everybody know this is my ball.
3: And they were saying they want to hear that in the dugout, and they weren't hearing that in the dugout a couple days ago, so they need to hear that. And he's quiet. He's a quiet guy. I mean, like he, when, we're, when we're talking to him, when we're interviewing him, um, he's very, very contained. And, and I think there's, there's confidence in there, but he's also just quiet, so they want to see a little bit more out of him.
1: I think last night, what you saw, because we talked a lot about Noda. I mean, we, we just had David Forrest on yesterday. Yeah, he's got a very mature game. His ability to know his own strike zone, to have that kind of confidence. I think more of the slug is going to come. But last night, ball boots off of his glove. He goes into foul territory, scoops it, throws it between his legs, behind his back, get the out at first. And I'm looking, I'm looking at that, and I'm going – you can't teach that. That's called instincts. He has natural instincts. Circus play. And I think about what he does at first. He told us in spring training, I can win a gold glove. Well, I'm starting to believe it. Um, but this kid, he knows what he's doing. Like, he's got an approach at the plate. He's good defensively. He's got natural instincts. I have become a huge Ryan Nota fan. How about you?
3: Yeah, well, the the patience is, is what you know we saw in spring training where he, he – he doesn't swing a lot, and I, I think there are uh, there are pros and cons to that. Um, and one of the obvious pros is that the on-base percentage really jumps out. I think he was leading; he's is either leading or up until a couple of days ago was leading all rookies in on-base percentage. Yeah. Draws a lot of walks. Um, he will also, you know, he'll take strike three, and we've seen him take strike three a few times. And sometimes he seems to be pretty frustrated about the call, but uh, at least in the little you know strike zone box, it, it's pretty clearly a strike. And I think. He's he's so selective um, that I don't I don't know if that's something that that comes back to bite him sometimes, but I think that, you know, they would rather see and it, in the, in the long run they think it'll benefit him to be that selective and that, and that things will grow up from there. I, I don't know if he will start swinging more. I mean, you also look at uh, you look at the contact rate when he does swing, and the contact rate isn't particularly high. Um, Especially when he goes outside of, of the strike zone, which obviously you don't really want to do. But um, when he goes outside the strike zone and swings, the contact rate is really low. So, um, so he, I, I think you know, if, if he's able to you know to, to make some more contact with the swing, then then yeah, you will probably see the power jump up a little bit because we saw that in spring training too. I mean, I think one of the longest home runs I saw in spring training was like the second or third game. It was in uh, I was at the Brewer Stadium, and he hit a home run to center field that was like. It, he, there was some pop. Um, yeah. And obviously, you look at him from a body type perspective. You watch him take you know, batting practice, and he does have pop. Um, and and yeah, I think once um, maybe once he starts wet fly a little bit more, or is maybe able to, um, to jump on a few more uh, you know, fastballs or kind of beat some of those those pitches that are coming in at higher velocities, and then you start seeing some of that.
1: All right, we've now seen it at the end of last year, and we've now seen it this year. Just, what do you think overall of Jordan Diaz? Uh,
3: well, the contact hitter. Uh, he isn't swinging the. He isn't swinging for power, which is what made that that game in New York uh, such a surprise. Um, but like the all fields approach, the line drive approach. Um, I think just from watching uh, so far this season, I think the defense at second base looks better. I think it looks more. Um, looks more agile he looks more comfortable maybe uh, I, I didn't see him play a lot of second base last year because he was in the minors for most of the season um, but just in the, the final two weeks when he was up here um, it still looked like he was maybe a little shaky a little uncertain out there um, I, I think it I, from what I can see he's a little bit more fluid a little more confident he's made some tough plays too um, so I think that was I mean, that was a big emphasis for him going to the offseason was like hey you need to to work on the agility, work on the speed a little bit. Um, he, you know, he, he dropped a, a little bit of weight before going to play uh, in the WBC, and he said the defense was really the defense footwork um, were two real big emphases for him. Um, obviously, I mean, the play last night was was a, a, just a, kind of a glaring mistake. And asked him about it afterward, and he said that um, he thought the shortstop would be playing closer to second base because of the double play situation so off the bat he sees, you know, wh- the, where the pop-up might fall and he thinks because shortstop's closer to the base, the ball's going to drop so he just takes off running um, as if there were two outs and there were obviously no outs. And It was a big pivotal play in, the, in that yeah. eighth inning. really curtailed that rally and Marcotte said afterward that uh, that's just a mistake, and that's a, a situation where down three runs, you can't be that aggressive. You need to see the ball fall before you take off running like that. So it's a teaching moment. He's, um, you know, he's for being up here. I think he's, I think he's the youngest player on the 22, roster, twenty-two. Yeah. Um, so even though he's been in the uh, in the system for a few years, um, he is still very young. And and I mean, I mean, he he didn't use that as an excuse or anything like that. He just said, I made a mistake. Um, and so I think, but I think that's again another example of. some of the the growing pains that you can see.
1: So if you close your eyes, I talk about this on the post-game show, I always say, I want to be able to close my eyes and see you in an A's uniform in three years. Do you see that with this young core? We throw Langoliers in there, you throw Allen in there, Ruiz. Hell, I'll even throw, even though Rooker's not young, I'll throw him in. He's like a young player, Mm -hmm. even though he's 28. Do you see something?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, couching this with, like, can you can you can you look that far ahead like with the way that there are the team is operating right now i know they they say stability is going to come from when they get something settled with the ballpark right so um ostensibly that's going to happen by the end of the year so maybe the guys that are here now are the candidates to to be the first sort of wave or the first generation that has a little bit more time so yeah i think uh, everybody who's who's In their their first or second season, I mean, Langoliers, um, yeah, Ruiz, obviously they're they're giving him, even though he's had some early struggles in center field, they're giving him the shot to play out there every day uh, and to hit leadoff every day. And, uh, you know, Rooker Rooker is going to be an interesting case just because, um, like you said, he is uh, young by experience, uh, but he's also, I mean, his first half has been so strong that... You would think this is a guy that will probably get some some maybe some trade interest at, at midseason so you know how do they view him do they view him as a, like a long-term uh piece or, or somebody that maybe they you know they'll look at as a as a candidate to at least entertain offers that don't really know that yet there's still plenty of time for that but and then on the pitching side i think they're hoping that Chuck is going to uh at least bounce back to the end of last year form. He his his first eight starts have, have not been very good, and the stuff has been down a little bit. So I think they're they're hoping that he turns it around a little bit. I think Sears has been maybe maybe their most consistent starter so far, um, but is kind of the oldest age wise, at least of that group. Um, I think that, you know they still have hopes for Mueller. Um I guess they got positive news today on, on Mason Miller, even though it's he's going to be out indefinitely and there's no real timeline for him to start throwing again.
1: Yeah, what was going on? I saw there was like a scrum in the dugout, but not like <laughs> there's no news.
3: They, so, yeah. The he, news is there's no news. <laughs> he went and got his second opinion uh, with Dr. Keith Meister in, uh, in Dallas, and the diagnosis was that he has a mild uh, UCL sprain. And so um, they say that that's uh basically he's he's sidelined indefinitely and they're going to wait until he is asymptomatic uh to have him start throwing again but there's no timeline for that so he's he's sidelined for now and uh it's a mild ucl sprain is what they say and a little bit of inflammation in there but not something that they no think tears is gonna, no they say that there is a hope or at least the team is hopeful that um there's, there's going to be an opportunity for him to pitch again this season so that's where they stand right now.
1: That's a huge problem in our game. we got all these guys. All right, a 100. This. These guys are all maxing out, and the human body can't take it. You can't keep these guys healthy.
3: I saw, I mean, Kumar Rocker today. Yeah. Um, Another know. Yeah, it one. seems like. Remember know, the
1: Mets were afraid of that when they drafted him?
3: Yeah, and then there was concern about the shoulder, I think, also, too. And now, now this is, you know, this news. And it seems like there has, I mean, I think the numbers back it up, too, that there have been a. A much more, or many more, of a higher rate of, of pitcher injuries so far in the first like six weeks of the season than, than is normal for this kind. So it is concerning.
1: I know people are trying to go pitch timer, I go, but just just track it, track how we've seen velocity just soar, just absolutely. We're pushing the human body, and maybe I don't know if it's going to be hard to prove the timer, but just the fact that we're, you know, Verlander used to sit 94, 95. Then when he needed it, he'd go to 100. These guys are coming out pitching like closers from the first inning, trying to get them through five or six. And for some reason, their bodies just can't withstand it. Um, obviously, you mentioned the craziness going on. There's constant chaos. so people like wonder, why don't you guys talk about it, Mike? That's not our job. Our job is to cover to the team, cover baseball. That's why we have other players on. Tori Lovello, the manager, was here today. Luis Gonzalez there, longtime outfielder, one of the great players of his time, was mm-hmm. here yesterday. I mean, we talk baseball. Mm-hmm you are a beat writer mm-hmm. you're not in politics you're not but you have to even delve into it so just what is it like covering the chaos that has been this year
3: yeah well there's been a fair amount of crossover and that's going back to uh, to even 21 when you know the A's were first given by MLB permission to start exploring relocation I mean there that's been part of the story since then and but I think especially this year um with the ramping up of um, you know the team's pursuits in, in Las Vegas and um, some of the fan activity that you're seeing here, both in the stadium and outside of the stadium. I mean that, and you know, last night the announced attendance was 2,064, and it was the smallest home crowd in the non-pandemic restriction year since 1979. I mean, this is all this is all part of the story. And as much as the team and the players and the staff um, can try to have tunnel vision and try to focus on. Um, on you know their work at hand and trying to win games and trying to improve i mean it's not i don't think it's something that i know it's not something that they can completely block out i mean it's it's there so um so yeah it's i mean from our from our perspective it's it's just you know part of part of the coverage part of the story we're kind of following along as as it goes just like everybody else good stuff thanks man all
1: right we got more coming up next we're getting you ready for the snakes and the a's right here on a's cast live
2: Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend.
1: Oh, we have breaking news. North of the border. Big series going on right now between the Yanks and the Blue Jays. Whoops, wrong one. Whoa, whoa. Wrong one. Here we go. Live from the ABC Sports desk in New York, I'm Chris Townsend. What's going on?
4: Speaking of New York, uh, Yankees pitcher Domingo Herman has been ejected versus the Blue Jays after a substance check.
1: What, 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 what's on your? What What do you got? Yeah. What what's, What do you got?
4: So, who was the guy we saw suspect or kicked out of a game earlier this year already? Scherzer. Yeah, Scherzer. That's right. And then uh, it was Might the. Have heard of him? Hector Santiago was a guy from the um, the White Sox a few years ago or Mariners. whoever he was with? And now we got Domingo Herman right now. I mean, I saw the I saw the umpires check Drew Rasinski after he got pulled from a start. What what is it? What are you doing? What, what does it do if he, you find a subset after he got pulled from the game?
1: Maybe he's shocked he didn't have after he saw <laughs> that outing yesterday. Um, this I love. Do you have the Dan Schulman?
4: Yeah, give me a second.
1: So yesterday's game. Now right now they're in the fourth inning. Yankees lead two nothing. Domingo Herman been thrown out. Uh, We'll get more info on that. But it was very odd in the game that Aaron Judge is up at the plate, pitcher's that way, and he's looking over into his dugout. What the hell are you looking over in your dugout? And then we have seen it before last year in the postseason where our buddy Josh Donaldson was at the plate looking over at the dugout. Why would you be focused as a hitter You're focused, you're looking out, you're looking at the pitcher. Why are you going to look over at the dugout? That makes no sense. So, the Toronto broadcast, Dan Shulman, one of the top voices in our game.
4: And Buck, Buck Martinez, both friends of the program.
1: Buck Martinez has been doing baseball forever. He's a legend as a player and a broadcaster. They're both watching this. Well, forget me telling you about it. Let's take it to the Toronto Blue Jays broadcast.
4: All right, Buck, so you and I looked at each other at the same moment right when we saw this yeah. three pitches ago. Watch what he's looking at. Yeah.
1: What is that?
2: Where is he looking?
1: Where is he looking? And he
2: did In it more than once. Out? Yeah, yeah. it's
1: really, really unusual. Yeah. But you and I both looked at each other when yeah. we saw that. Like, right. did you was- see what I saw? Yeah. And
4: you don't want to go, you know, throwing allegations around without knowing, but
1: now. Nah. I and mean, you know what? He, yeah, I, I have had guys look back when I was catching, and, and you obviously could see it. And he, he couldn't see the catcher with the way he yeah. was looking right there. Yeah, just did it again. And he pummeled it. He hit it a country mile
4: for his second home run of the night.
1: That's good. Two home runs for Aaron Judge. Now, let's not kid ourselves. The New York Yankees, along with the Boston Red Sox, and then the biggest dirtbags of them all, the Houston Astros, have all been caught electronic stealing signs before. So it's not like the Yankees. Remember the Yankees? They had that report that came out. Nobody got popped. But that whole thing came out. Do you remember that? Yes. So, it's not like they're the most innocent crew of all time. Uh, I love it, though. Our game needs controversy. It does. Whether it's spider Tack, whether it's throwing a pitcher out, whether it's Bryce Harper running out trying to fight Bird, the pitcher who was clapping his glove at the Phillies after getting the big outs, and then Bryce Harper wants to take on the Rocky. We need the drama. Because it's entertaining. They've taken our game, these, you call them nerds. I call them highly skilled, educated professionals in the front office. You call them dorks. They've turned it into, like, chess, and it's a boring game. You know, oh, well, he hits well against righties, and he hits well against lefties, and then he normally hits it over here. I mean, it's like we're playing with a bunch of robots, the drama, you need drama. Why is the NFL so great? Because there's drama every game, and there's guys kicking the crap out of each other every single game. you got to have drama. We're in the entertainment business. We've taken the entertainment business out of baseball and turned it into, it was a great, Lamont Wade Jr. You heard of him?
4: Uh, yeah, Giants, uh, first base, DH, whatever he plays for them now.
1: So they were talking about him, about how he's very good at knowing his strike zone Right? He's been a player that the Giants can utilize in certain situations, and he's been successful. Complimentary player is a kind way to put it. And they said, you know the problem with the Giants? Their whole team's complimentary players. That's Farhan playing money ball, right? This is what we do against right-handed pitchers. This is what we do against left-handed pitchers. We got all these guys who can pinch hit and everything. It's like, ah, it's boring. Well, you know what? Aaron Judge looking over to first base, and we are wondering, are these guys cheating? How are they cheating? Because we know people have been cheating. Recently, folks, in a junior college game. Oh, this is incredible. Two players got popped with electronics in their helmets. This is going on everywhere. How are the Yankees doing it? I don't know. I don't know if they are. I don't know if they're not. Now, story I'm wondering if there's gonna be any because Toronto, a, a little yeah, a little dust up as they like to call it. Talk about our guy Lee Anderson, who wrote the book about pictures with baseball yeah. and the lingo. What would a dust up be in because in baseball we have we have language. And someone who had never been to a baseball game, you say, Oh yeah, they had a dust up or it's a can of corn. Frozen rope. Frozen what's a frozen Texas rope? Texas Leaguer. He's Bush League. Well, what the hell is Bush League? How would you draw Bush League?
4: Oh, I don't know how to draw half of these. That's Bush League. Yeah.
1: It's one of the great words of all time. So the story, oh, the sun's finally going down, my God. Um, The story gets better. So now Toronto has taken photos or maybe video. They've got something they've sent to the league offices going, hey, you notice how far off the Yankees, first base coaches are so if the Yankees first base coach who I don't know who it is is way outside the coach's box and once again I'm here judge at the plate and I'm looking over to the right the further that he is away I can kind of my you know a little bit of peripheral vision I can kind of see what he's doing now Anything that that first base coach is doing is completely legal. Like, let's say, let me give you, let me get, let me give you an example. Let's just say Alejandro Kirk. I don't know if he's coach. I don't know if he's catching last night or tonight for the Blue Jays. But let's say it's very obvious. I can tell on his pitch com. I don't know where his pitch com is. Side top. They got pitch com all over where they catchers put it, right? Maybe he's tipping pitches by how he presses the pitch com. And the first base coach has noticed that. And now the first base coach is making sure he's standing by himself outside of the box so Aaron Judge can see him. And maybe if I'm going like this, it's going to be an off-speed pitch. Maybe how I'm standing with my feet is a fastball, whatever it is. That's called baseball, Cody. That's how you translate signs to hitters. So the first base coach could have the pitch calm. He's noticing... He knows when it's a fastball. He knows when it's an off-speed, and he's tipping Judge off, or like Donaldson, because they got video of Donaldson doing it at the playoffs last year. There's no reason you're locked, you're locked in in a major league baseball game. These guys are throwing 98 miles an hour. Why the hell all of a sudden before the pitch are you looking over to the right? Judge said after the game. Oh, I have
4: it. Do you want me to play it?
1: Now, do we have time?
4: Yeah, we have like 10 minutes still.
1: So. Go ahead. Let's hear this liar.
4: This is yeah, the AL MVP. Is, it, is, this,
1: is this San Francisco Giant?
4: Giant legend? Forever Giant?
1: Is he Forever Giant? Is Aaron Judge because he Actually, almost no, signed? No,
4: he didn't. His brother Arson did.
1: Is, is he going to be on the <laughs> on the wall next to Marvin <laughs> Bernard and Sean Estes?
4: Uh, I don't think so, but here's Aaron Judge.
1: Forever Giant?
4: Here's Aaron Judge last night speaking to the media.
3: Aaron, the um, the Blue Jays broadcast appeared to catch you looking um, at, uh, it was unclear where, but maybe at the first base coach or the catcher for location. Was there anything going on there as far as uh, what where you were looking during that time?
4: For what? Um, right before you hit your second home run of the game.
2: What? I did what? Oh. oh. Yeah, it was kind of a lot of chirping from our our dugout which i really didn't like in the situation where it's a six nothing game and i know booney got tossed like i was trying to save booney by calling time out like hey hold up here like let me let me work here so I was kind of trying to see who was who was chirping in the dugout. So it's six nothing. Like let's Booney got tossed. Let's let's go to work now.
1: The and captain, kind
2: of checking on uh, your Yankees teammates. Yeah, I'm kind of looking. Like who's who's still talking here? It's it's six nothing, and our manager got tossed. He did his job. Like let's go back to playing ball.
4: So you're up six nothing in the eighth inning, and uh
1: no, you're at the plate,
4: and you're at the plate, and you're, you're worried at the plate. about, and you're worried about uh. You're worried about. Let me pick out a random Yankee. You're worried about Isaiah, Isaiah Falefa on the bench saying something chirping. I'm just picking. I don't IKF. know. IKF. I'm just picking out random Yankees uh, chirping on the bench, and Tell you're R- worried about it. Tell
1: Rizzo to bite it.
4: Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, it was three pitches earlier. That's when uh, that's when Booney got thrown out of the game.
1: Okay, so you want me to believe that the first once again, it. This is not illegal. If if you're bad. At hiding what pitchers are throwing, the Yankees have every right. They have every right. And once again, if you use a pitch com, how would they steal the signs? Well, you'd be able to tell how he's pressing, which, I mean, if you got good eyesight, you could see kind of, all right, I notice the way he's pushing. I keep, I don't even know, if the way I'm I'm hitting the pitch comm, however it is on, once again, what uh,
4: if he wears on his wrist? Right?
1: I don't even, but there you go. One, if, I don't know. Yeah. But he's able to pick it up clearly if the if, if the first base coach is trying to, because you got to think, let's say if there's a runner on first, because I think there was runners on. There's a runner on first, and there's an umpire there. You as the first base coach, make sure you want to have separation from everybody if he's kind of looking to the side, right? If I'm looking to the side, and I want to pick up once again, if I my hands are down, it's a fastball. My hands are like this. It's off speed, or he's doing something with his legs. That's all right. Ra- that that's all legal, and I love it. Right? That's that's the art of stealing signs. That's a part of baseball. That's why in the National Football League, play colors are like this. They don't want you reading lips, so we're always trying to hide our signs. Now the question is.
4: Don't, by the way, the third base coach is also saying the same way. The first, they, what's this? It was both. Both coaches were so for left-handed hitters. They can look right down the line and see the third base coach too.
1: What you can't do is have the first base coach with an with a with a an iPhone, <laughs> and you're up there with your Apple Watch fastball. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, come on, I know it's I mean, well, but I mean, think about it. The Houston Astros had a camera in center field, had a television in their dugout, and they're banging. Breaking ball. You heard multiple bangs. It was a breaking ball. I mean, that was not that long ago that was happening. But as long as the Yankees are not doing anything electronically, if you're able to pick up how guys are doing pitch com or whatever, man, that's all legal.
4: Yeah, and I, and you
1: know what? I love the drama. I love the fact Toronto is is is, is goosing them a little bit by. By sending the pictures or video, whatever it is, and they're 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 making a thing out of this. Because let me tell you something. The rivalries right now, it's what we don't have. We need hatred. We need people not to like each other. It brings interest right? It brings interest into sports. It's
4: just funny. It,
1: you're right, it's just funny. <laughs> I mean, do you do you think there's any hatred out here tonight between Arizona and – Whoa,
4: whoa, whoa. I, I, I still think Tory holds it – I still he's holding a grudge against the A's for what happened. Did
1: you feel any friction between us and the Rangers?
4: No. No. Maybe Jonah Heim's so sour he's not here.
1: But I'm going to tell you what, that's why East Coast baseball is better than West Coast baseball because I'm going to tell you right now – Blue Jays hate the Yankees, Yankees hate the Blue Jays. They all hate the Red Sox, Red Sox hate all of them. Orioles now are a player, they hate it. They all hate each other and they all hate the Rays. Not because the Rays they hate the Rays, because the Rays are that little engine that could and keeps beating them. That's why. That division that's that's five teams that all can't stand each other. And, and it makes for interest. You just had a great four-game set that was split between the Rays and the Yankees. And then you're leaving that emotional series where, for the first time ever, people in New York are going, "Whew, we got two, thank God. You're the Yankees, yeah. and you're just thankful you got two against the Rays. But then now you got to go to Toronto, and you got a Toronto Blue Jays team. They're growing up. They've taken that home run jacket, and they're like, nah, we're not doing that silly stuff anymore. We're here to win. This is... This, we have the numbers for you as divisions in the uh, wild card era. The most, the two most competitive divisions of all time are the 01 and 02 American League West. This AL East, that's by winning percentage of everybody in the division. This AL East this year is trending right now to have the best winning percentage Better than the 0-1 and 0-2 American League West all time wild card era.
4: This this is a the number they had. Uh, East, our friend Davis Schoenfeld from ESPN had it. Through Saturday, I don't know why he didn't go through he wrote the article today, I don't know why maybe he posted it on Saturday, but through Saturday the AL East's record was ninety three and forty eight overall. It's pretty impressive.
1: Well and if, and if they're not
4: playing each other, they're playing at hundred and seven win pace over 162 games.
1: They're taking their brand to baseball and they're feasting on everybody else. There's not 19 games against everybody in division. Not everybody gets up to beat up on the Orioles anymore because the Orioles can play. And now, less game, less games in division, they now can go out and kick the crap out of everybody else. And that's what they're doing. But that's why I'm interested in watching, are the Yankees at any point going to retaliate tonight? Going, oh, you're tearing us into the league. Oh, you're saying we're cheating. Boom! Dot and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It's three nothing. Or, ha- or, yes. how- or how about that dumb ponytail like yours on Dante Bichette? Bo Bichette, excuse me. Oh wow! Dante's Inferno <laughs> has been retired for years. Uh, I love. Remember Dante Bichette? Uh, he- well, he I At
4: remember Coors Field, I was saying, he was a Rocky, not a not a Devil Ray. But well, well, he was a Yankee too? Right? He
1: was an Angel.
4: He played for a lot of teams.
1: He was an Angel. He was- before he was a Rocky, he was an Angel. And I can tell you, I saw Nolan Ryan when I was in high school. He used to drive up from San Diego and Nolan Ryan would pitch. I saw Nolan right back at the old Big A when it was completely enclosed for football and the Rams played there. I saw Nolan Ryan hit Dante Bichette in the head, and they had to take him off the field.
4: Yikes. I mean, Nolan to throw hard. Uh, Colorado, Milwaukee, Boston, Cincinnati. Sorry, maybe it wasn't a Ray. Why do I think he was a Ray?
1: Where did he play first?
4: California Angels.
1: Don't doubt me. Don't doubt Space Mountain. Uh, all right, well. So I'm hoping there's going to be a little dust up in there. And it makes for, you know what? Yankees cheating. Yankees not cheating. It's entertainment. It gets people talking about our game. Other than listening today, on the way up, I'm, I, well, I was watching. I keep my hands. Uh, MLB now, and they're talking about O swing percentage. Like, how do I sell O-swing percentage?
4: Wilbaut Wade has the best one in baseball, right? Last time I checked.
1: Uh, I think he's second. But whatever. <laughs> it's like you're, you're you're trying to sell a bunch of random numbers. We need some entertainment. And you know what? Cheating, not cheating. Are they cheating? Teams fighting.
4: Substance checks and get thrown out.
1: Bryce Harper not only trying to beat everybody up on the Rockies, but then saying they're all in a polite in a polite. I can't.
4: I, I can say. It. In polite way, you guys aren't winners.
1: But he <laughs> he, he threw in some expletives. Yeah, there was more
4: colorful language thrown yeah. in there by the uh, MVP. He called
1: them a bunch of blankety-blank losers. Yeah. We need that. We need that, <laughs> yeah. right? Don't we need that?
4: Yeah, You are a bleeping loser organization.
1: I need someone getting hit. <laughs> I need players charging mounds. Come on. Let's get some entertainment going here.
4: Yeah. Uh, I don't think we're going to see anything in the Yankee Blue Jays game today, though. Now, if your guy J.D. was playing, there might be some sparks. That's uh, There could be some animosity between Blue Jay fans and him, but I don't think he's he's not back yet.
1: Well, yeah, you know, Domingo Herman gets thrown out. You really don't want to get into beanball games when you're already into your bullpen.
4: Yeah, true. What yeah.
1: inning did he get thrown out?
4: Uh, I didn't see, but they're only in, what, the fifth inning, so it had to be in there first. Can you somebody
1: find out when Severino's coming back for my fantasy I th- I th- team? I think
4: he's pitching in the minor leagues today.
1: I Do saw you realize th- I've been holding on to him? He better come back. He better come back. He better be Ron Guidry when he comes back. You know who Ron Guidry is? Yes. Louisiana Lightning? Yes. Well, Yankee great. Because I'm telling you, I've, I've been holding him for how many games now? No. I've had him on my well, injured list.
4: It's probably their 44th. And game. I don't
1: like my DL. I just want to cut everybody.
4: Yeah, well, he'll be about. I think he's pitching. I, th- I think I saw on Twitter he's pitching in a rehab start tonight.
1: David Force, by the way, we got our new David Force drop. We got it.
4: What's Ryan know to do? He gets on base.
1: There you go. And David Force said it yesterday: best ability. He gets on base. Availability. <laughs> You're no good to us if you can't play. That's good news on Mason Miller, by the way.
4: Yeah. Hopefully, we see him back sooner than later, and we see him back for sometime the rest of the year. But you know, I don't, anytime I hear strain of the UCL, I still get worried.
1: Anytime you tell me that a guy throws 100 miles an hour and how great he is, I go, okay. Oh, yeah, Kumar Rocker, Vanderbilt. This guy's going to be the great Tommy John.
4: Yeah. When's when's
1: Jack Leiter getting it?
4: Oh, he doesn't throw that as hard. He'll be up up soon for the Rangers, I think. He'll be up for the end of the year.
1: Isn't Hunter Green on the shelf right now? Is he? I think he is. I'd have to look. He's already had Tommy John. I mean, Nathan Evaldi, he's had like, what?
4: 47 Tommy Johns. Six
1: Tommy Johns. (laughs) I think mean. he's still throwing hard. I know, he's amazing. But it's just, it's crazy. All right, that's going to do it for A's Cast Live. How cool is that? As you can see, we have now established a pretty darn good, good relationship with the manager of the D backs, former athletic, Tori Labello. Love having him on the program. Great for him to come by. Uh, Nikki Pie Shop.
4: Nikki Pie Shop, yep.
1: Nikki Pie Shop. Nick Allen was here, uh, grew up on you hear the commercials for the Chicken Pie Shop of Walnut Creek, but he grew up on the our family restaurant in San Diego, the San Diego Chicken Pie Shop, which we brought here to Walnut Creek. And then Matt Kawahara from the San Francisco Chronicle. Not easy being a beat writer. You think it's easy. You think it's just easy writing all that stuff every single day. He's got to meet. They meet with the manager. He's got to write the notes and do all that kind of stuff. God, there's no chance I could do that.
4: Yeah, same. I'd be, um,
1: I'd be the worst beat writer. Well, why did not you bring that up? Well, I didn't think that was important.
4: By, by, by the way, back Friday at two o'clock, we're going to have. Um, I, I saw I already booked someone for Friday. Besides Kotze. the most. Uh, oh, Saras. and I'm I'm efforting Rajay Davis because Rajay he's going to be at Sto- in Stockton at the uh, at Banner Island on Sunday. I couldn't tell you why, but I read that he's going to be at Banner Island on Sunday.
1: Rajay <laughs> was up on our uh, board the other day. Yeah, Rajay's working for the league. He's like the liaison, like he goes from the league to the players to help the players understand what's going on with the league. It's really a a very smart move by Major League Baseball to help educate the players what's going on, and Rajay has has been doing that, and we had him on at the winter meetings in San Diego this uh, past December, so it was great catching up with him, and he's in a good space, man, loves what he's doing, loves his job. There's X amount of X players that are doing it, and smart by baseball. Because baseball, it's like the agents. Agents, it's smart that you have players who learn from the owner's side and learn just baseball, what's going on with the commissioner's side, and then be able to, oh, okay, and then go talk to the players about it. It's very smart.
4: Yeah, hopefully. Are you telling me I got to go? Yeah, you got 10 minutes till pregame.
1: I'm ready to rock. Let's do pregame right here. Can't do that.
4: You yeah, better let Robert Costa know. Can
1: you imagine Costa, can you, not Robert Costa, can you imagine Costa coming out? We're like, all right, coming up next. And they're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> all right, thank you for watching A's Cast Live. We'll see everybody Friday at 2 o'clock. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.